I always tell like the company like yeah, premature optimization is the root of all evil. Sometimes you don't really care about scaling. You don't need a system that is like 1000x more scalable like if it requires a lot of like manpower. And a lot of the early conversation that we had inside the R&D was me telling them I understand the perfect solution would include SQS, SNS, S3, Postgres and Redis. But what would be a fine solution that will hold us up for like the next year because who knows if that particular feature is really that important. My name is Del Schwartz. I'm the CTO and co-founder of Commodore. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how ETL Schwartz built the platform to monitor your Kubernetes and discover root causes to your infra problems. All this and more on Code Story. For E.T.L. Schwartz, it's hard to remember life before his current venture. He studied computer science and psychology in school, and during that time he started working for eBay. He's 32 years old, he thinks, and is married with a young family. Outside of hiking and binge-watching TV, he's a big fan of coffee and bakeries. In spending a lot of time in the infrastructure world, he found out that in the world of DevOps troubleshooting, there's a lot of chaos to sift through. He thought it would be amazing to build a tool to impact Kubernetes and the entire infra ecosystem. This is the creation story of Commodore. Commodore is a troubleshooting Kubernetes troubleshooting platform. We help DevOps and developers to find, detect, and solve issues in Kubernetes very fast, very, very easily. And basically we take all of this very cumbersome complicated process of understanding what the hell changed, what the hell happened inside my Kubernetes cluster. And we simplify this process by only allowing the users to see the problems, their root cause, and what we believe is the best way in order to solve them. So we are taking years of experience that we have inside the company, both in the world of like troubleshooting and Kubernetes, and we're simplifying that for our users. And we integrate with existing tools such as, you know, Datadog, Prometheus, and Relic. We don't replace them. We believe that those tools are doing a great job telling you the symptoms, telling you that you have problems, while Commodore is much more focused on allowing you to understand how did the system change over time, what might be a possible root cause for what you're experiencing. You know, I've done intro for the last decade or so. I've done it for like small, like for big enterprises such as eBay and also for small companies. And I really like, I don't know, like solving issues, solving problems. And in my last job, I, like I said, I was the first developer in an Israeli startup named Rookout. And Rookout, for anyone who don't know them, is a company that helps adding like non-breaking breakpoints for developers. They allow you to troubleshoot dynamically. And there I was, first of all, responsible for building all of the infrastructure. So I became really familiar with Kubernetes and I loved the project from day one. I love the community, I love the terminology, I love how you interact with it. So after like years of doing like Pecker and like AWS and Google and like all of those very complicated things, Kubernetes felt really elegant for me. 
one of the things that make Kubernetes so great is that so many people are contributing to make it even better. When I worked for Rukas, I also helped like selling the product as a solution engineer because I'm a technical guy and I also know how to talk with customers. So I was exposed to a lot of Rukas customers and there I found out how complex is like not only understanding like where to put the breakpoint for a specific Java or like Python program, but the overall knowing where to look at once you have a problem, knowing when did the system change, who deployed, who deployed the last version, what commits were added in the last version, what wrecking changes were added in like the last version. I found out that in this world of like high level like of like troubleshooting or like devops trying to troubleshoot, there is a lot of chaos and a lot of unclarity. And it didn't really happen for me like from a very personal experience because I spent a lot of time building those kind of like monitoring and solution in the companies that I worked for. So I, it, it made me understand that really the importance of like building a system that is the go-to tool for troubleshooting. And because I, I also like felt the pain and I also implemented and built those kind of systems in like previous companies and workout, I simply thought it will be amazing if I can build something that will impact all of the ecosystem and impact Kubernetes as a whole. Like Kubernetes was born like from my pain and my partner, Ben Ophiri, worked with Google that developed Kubernetes, obviously, and he also done infra-related uh, like jobs and tasks there. So we both believe that it's something that is really missing in today's market. And one and a half year into the startup, pretty, I'm pretty happy to say that it was uh, the right choice. Tell me about the MVP. So that first product you built, how long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? First of all, we develop it in, in, in Kubernetes, like we're a Kubernetes shop, we love Kubernetes. So we use Kubernetes. The first MVP was what we believe the most crucial thing that is currently missing. And that is knowing how your cluster is changing over time. What we did is we install an agent for our customers running as part of the cluster and that reports every time there is any kind of change inside the cluster. For example, a new image, uh, the number of replica, replicas change, the number of CPU limit, the config map that change. We sat there, we audited everything, and we knew when and how the system changed over time, and we created a timeline for our users. That is still the backbone of Congo, and this is what we believe the most important thing. I think from the second that we started working on it, to, to like the first customer that played with the system and tried it, it was three months, I believe. We really tried to work on the bare, bare minimum. And looking now at the system, like that we built back then, it was, you know, it was really bare bone, uh, but we felt that it will bring value to our users. And the first three companies that install us, like I have to say that they really saw value in this. And like we did help them to solve issues. That were, it, it was like an amazing experience knowing that what you've done really helped someone. With any MVP, you've got to, make certain decisions and trade-offs about what you're going to start with, what you're not going to build, what debt you're going to take on technically. Tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make and how you coped with those decisions. It was super hard. Like, let's be honest, it was super hard. So for every feature, for every screen, for every design, like 
you need to ask yourself, yourself, do I really need this specific feature in order to bring value to the AI user? And there were so many big and small decisions that we needed to make. And I can share with you like a like battle, battle story. We wanted to have in the screen back then, three different screens, like three different capabilities. Uh, I won't like go into the deep dive, but one of them showed you all of the services that are running on a specific cluster. The other one showed you a timeline per each service. You go to a service and you see its timeline. And the third one was a high level overview of everything that changed across your system, like a macro level view. So we had those three screens and we tried developing all three at the same time. But when we were really close to releasing it, we understand that the quality was quite bad. The high level screen that showed everything that changed across the system simply didn't work as well as we expected. So now we had like a very strong, strong like decision to make. Are we going to take like a third of the product and simply release without it? Or are we going to try and make it work? I can say that we did try to make it work for a short while and then it was obvious it's not worth it. We decided to kill it. Like basically we decided to put on a whole third of the product in order to make sure the other two works as expected. It wasn't an easy decision because we were really invested in it, but I think it was the right decision at the time. And a couple of months later, we did like we added this very important screen that allowed you to see everything that changed across cluster, across services, complete system timeline. Uh, but back then, it was hard like killing third of your product in order to save the other two thirds. So, you've got your MVP. You're getting some traction. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think to give context, where I'm going with that is. You know, how did you build your roadmap and, and decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build? I think what drives us the most is like customer feedback. So it was customer feedback from people that we talk with and from our customers, design partners, mentors, advisors, like telling us where are their pains? Where do they need Condor to step in and to help them? So we try to make sure that the product answers real, real needs. Regarding like the roadmap, there is what we believe, this is a perfect product. If we'll do A, B, C, D, E, like if we do everything, it's clear that the product will be amazing. The problem is that we have only three developers, so we need to choose one. So a lot of like customer feedback on one hand, and the other hand was going really deep into the Kubernetes community understanding the pains of customers that we didn't really meet so far, understanding where is the market going for. And I think like it's a constant like prioritization loop of releasing something, getting the feedback, understanding if we are on the right track. If we are, let's double down on this. If we are not, let's kill it. So it's a lot of like small decision that adds up to like one unified platform. On the other hand, trying to remember what would an amazing product look like and what is like the, the goal that we are striving. So let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate they were the winning horses to join you? First of all, take people that you know if you can. I was lucky enough to work in two really great companies, both Porter and, and Ruka. So I just took like the best employees from there and they, I was like lucky enough for them to join me 
uh, along the way. So like if you can work with people that you already know, I think the most important thing for startup team like in this area is the ability to work with a lot of uncertainty and the ability to move fast without being afraid. So all of our first developers have this in common. They are not afraid of doing stuff that, you know, like sometimes when I think about it, maybe we should be a little bit more afraid, but having like a builder type mentality that is not afraid to fail and is not afraid to have a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unclarity. I think it's like a must for first developers. And this is like the kind of things that we looked for. It wasn't even like necessarily a lot of experience. We took like people who are like quite young, but they showed those qualities, like ability to work alone without a lot of guidance and not really alone. We have a lot of teamwork, but like without a lot of guidance and to deliver fast results uh, without being afraid of switching direction really fast. Well, let's flip to scalability then. And this will be fun given you're troubleshooting Kubernetes. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or have you been fighting this as you've grown and gained traction? We are trying always to be like over-provisioned a bit, like more than what we're currently supporting. But, you know, I always tell like the company, like the premature optimization is the root of all evil. And we have a lot of really talented people here in the company. And talented people sometimes really like to think about scaling. And sometimes you don't really care about scaling. And you need like to find the balance between not needing to think about scale every day, and necessarily because your system can scale 2x or like 3x the number of customers that you currently have on one hand. Uh, but on the other hand, you don't need a system that is like 1000x more scalable, like if it requires a lot of like manpower. And a lot of the early conversation that we had inside the R&D was me telling them, I understand the perfect solution would include SQS, SNS, S3, Postgres, and Redis. But what would be a fine solution that will hold us up for like the next year? Because who knows if that particular feature is really that important. Can we maybe get along with only Postgres? And a lot of the time the answer is yes. So you need someone who saw system like mature it's really hard to do it if you have like zero experience even if you're very talented because you need to understand where the places that you can like slack and basically and not invest all of your time on one hand uh, but what are the places that are super critical to the success of the business I, I will say again like i can share that at first we use both postgres and Elasticsearch as our main backends like databases but after a while, we understand that the thing that Elasticsearch is giving us wasn't that valuable and it held us back. So we simply decided to ditch Elasticsearch and use Postgres alone. We didn't need all of these capabilities and supporting two database required us a lot of knowledge, time, and it consumed a lot of resources. So again, it's hard to say I'm going to delete one of my two databases. Uh, but I think it's something that allowed, really allowed us to scale up there our, our speed. As you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I think that the thing that I'm most proud of is not really the product, to be honest. It's much more the product feedback. It's the customers 
who are telling us how we saved their Christmas or their Thanksgiving or how did we help them find issues before a release of a very like of a big feature like there is a lot of technical achievements and product achievements which are fun like I, I love engineering I love solving like complex problems and using cool tools and like program language and and, and, and I do enjoy it we are doing it to bring value to our customers and that's what we are trying to optimize in the end of the day people were telling us yeah like I'm not sure how did they manage before Commodore or people that leaves their company and bring Commodore to the next company. Like, I think that's what's give me like the most pleasure and what I'm most proud of. Obviously, it couldn't be done without a lot of hard work on the product R&D, marketing and sales side. It's not like a, it's not one single like effort, but that's the thing I'm most like proud of. Let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. So I underestimated how valuable certain, certain capabilities inside the product will be. And it took us a lot of time to deliver because we thought it's nice to have. But once we develop it, it turns out it's a must have because we saw the spike of usage and we saw the spike of people who are like happily using Commodore. So I think that there are a lot of features that we developed that we should have developed like three months ago or four months ago or five months ago. You always need to retro on yourself and to figure out why did you do what you do? Why didn't you ask for more feedback? Why didn't we try some slim entity? So a startup is just as good as like his speed. So every time we're moving like slow or we fail to recognize like a certain feature, it is like for me, it's, it's a mistake. We also develop a lot of features that people didn't use, not a lot, but we developed features that people, people didn't use and we had to kill them. But I see those kind of things as more of like an experiment. And I don't believe you can succeed without having a couple of like failed features that you thought will be great, but they aren't. Well, this will be fun to ask, what does the future look like for the product and for your team? We see more and more companies that are using Commodore on a daily basis. And what I want to see is like more companies using Commodore and we already see it, but I want more and more companies. And inside the company, I see, I want to see more users using us more frequently. Basically, Commodore goal is to be like synonymous with Kubernetes. If you have Kubernetes and you are not using Commodore, then something is not okay here. Regarding the company, uh, a year and a half ago, it was only me and Ben, like two people. We are currently 40, and I believe we are going to double ourselves by the end of the year. We are hiring for Kubernetes experts, if anyone is hearing, and uh, marketing and sales and so on. So we see a lot of growth going forward. I think we are lucky enough not only to have the right team, but also having, we are in the right time, in the right place, like more and more people are moving into Kubernetes, more and more people understand that they can't really utilize or use Kubernetes without a system like Commodore. So I feel that like Kubernetes, it's like a beacon that everyone are just going there like almost blindly sometimes. They need someone to help them understand how to use it, how to best configure it, how to detect issues, how to prevent them, how to solve them. And I think like Commodore will be the tool for like 
everyone who is using Kubernetes, basically. I really believe that we are on the verge of a very big tide and we're simply like surfing it. Um, I hope it's an expression in English. Let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a CEO, CTO, an architect, really any person you look up to and why. So a lot of people, first of all, I will mention like my partner, like Ben, Ben Ferida, the CEO of Commodore, that I believe is amazing at what he's doing. But also I think that we are working really well together. Startup, it's not, at least for my case, it's not like a, a lonely battle. Like you have someone with you every place of like every every place in, in the, uh, along the way. So I will say I will say Ben. I also try to have a lot of advisors who are helping me, uh, people who are CTO or, or was CTOs or experienced product managers, and to surround myself with people who already experience what they are having and can save me a lot of frustration or calm me down. So I think like making sure you experience you surround yourself with like very good people is critical. I was really lucky to work in, like, like I said, like very good companies, both eBay, Fortran, and Rookout. I had a, a VPR and that really influenced me in, in Fortran named Oren Ellenbogen, uh, which is, is really good. He has a newsletter and he writes a lot about R&D leadership. So I think he really helped me to develop as a developer and, you know, as a person and, and also like in, in Rookout. So, like a lot of a, a lot of people, and obviously my wife, the uh, the most influencer uh, out of all. Even even when you know when I try like to think about what do you need in order to succeed as a startup without without a really good and strong support at home, it's it's simply impossible. Well, we talked about a mistake earlier but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? I think that as much as we tried, I would make the MVP even smaller. Like it took us three months. And I believe that because we did, we weren't really sure what we were building back then, what's the really minimum, I would try to shorten that time period from, I don't know, like two, two months maybe, uh, or even months. Because we learned so much more once we had customers using the MVP that every day that we didn't release it was a mistake. So I think like that's the one one thing that I would change. The other one is to select clearer goals from a company standpoint. I think now that we grow, I see the importance of having a very clear goals. It might be like inspirational goals. It doesn't have to be like like it's it's helpful if it's also like metric driven but having very clear goals make other people in the company much more effective because everyone are, are looking and optimizing for the same goal and they are trying to move the boat to the same direction and making as clear as possible i think it's it's super valuable and i think i didn't really understand it back then the importance of setting very clear goals and it is something I'm trying to, to do better since then. Last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. 
They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Did you validate it with customers or with the market? I see a lot and I try to help a lot of like entrepreneurs that are asking me for help or asking me to raise money or connection or whatever. And I'm doing it like happily. But I think most of them don't really understand the pain and the problem that they are trying to solve. Vases, the alternative, vases, like the money, the effort, like everything. So simply understand the customer really well and the customer ecosystem really well. I think it's very tempting to see a problem and try to solve it without understanding how acute is it and how is it currently being solved. Just double down or like triple down on what are you really trying to solve and is it really going to change for the end user that you have in mind and really ask him and validate it. And back then we did a lot of interviews with DevOps, with Dev, with PPRNDs, with CTOs and we try to understand the current problems, the current needs, the current pains. And I think it helped us tremendously to, to this day. And we also read the MAM test, which allow you to do conduct those kind of interviews better. So I think like that's the number one advice that I bring pretty much everyone. Well, that's great advice. Well, ETL, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Commodore. Thanks, man. Thanks. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.